Hey everybody, I'm starting this episode off a little different because this will be our most contentious episode to date. And I wanted to remind everybody the name of this show, The Opinion Dominion. I'm sure there will be people who will completely disagree with what our guest has to say, and Jeff and I are totally okay with that. If you disagree with anything stated in this episode and want to say something about it, email in and we'll cover it in a future episode. But without further ado, here's this week's episode of The Opinion Dominion. Okay, Jeff, this has been a topic that's been kind of a long time coming because, uh, you know, scheduling difficulties are, are so much fun. You're talking about the bus driving thing, right? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We talk about that all the time, bus driving. It's an honorable profession. And I will never disagree. I, I will never go back on that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was over fast. Wow. Okay. Yeah, let's just let's just nip that in the bud because this is going to be a bit of a more serious discussion. Um, right. Yep. This is a discussion that well, it's not only interesting, but I feel kind of like a light should be shown on it. Um, mm -hmm. That being said, uh, I have kind of hesitated in doing this because it is kind of nuclear in a way. Nuclear. Yeah, it's a discussion that I've had before, but had before in confidence with people in the forensic field. Uh, and oh. as, as you can imagine, oh, the, the forensic... We're talk about that. Okay. Yeah, the, the forensic field is rather small, shall we say. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, primarily the the largest consumer of forensic investigations is the government. So there's that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's best if I don't fully identify this person outright, because, you know, don't want to cause any problems. So let's go with, uh, let's go with Claire as a name. How's that sound? That sounds fine to me. Is it okay with you, Claire? I got a thumbs right, up. We'll, we'll go with it. Yep. That sounds good. Um, so yeah, I'll probably throw a little bit of flange on the audio in post just to help mask a little bit from any idiosyncrasies. There's that word out okay. again. Yeah. You do love that word. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure of how all those knobs work in post, so I'll try not to go overboard, but... You get to learn! I, I, I get to learn, yay. And because I'm not as good as you with a mixer, um, their audio is coming into and then through my system, and I need to obviously pipe that to you. But because of the software we're using Meet to, to talk back and forth, I think I might just have to change the feed, which means you then won't get my voice, which is... I guess that's fine. I've had this discussion before, um, so I'll let I'll let you enjoy it this time. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good. Can, we can make that work. Yeah, and you know I can jump in later and all that. So uh, okay. let me let me flip all the knobs and stuff. Give me a second. Am I coming through? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you, Claire. Wow, your mic Claire... sounds wonderful. Oh. <laughs> Ah, thank you. Um, it's it was uh, not expensive, but uh, sorry, I'm not supposed to uh, denigrate someone's uh, compliments like that. I apologize. Welcome. It's good to have you, Claire. Um, 
JT somewhere in the background, thank you for getting all this arranged. This is, I think, going to be a really cool interview. Yeah, I hope it'll be illuminating. And I yeah, apologize. I... My mic sounds like it's from a box of Cracker Jacks. <laughs> uh, I've heard equally bad. Don't worry. Uh, and honestly, uh, I've always maintained that it's it's not really the... As long as we can hear you, the content is what's king. So let's uh, let's go with it and see what happens. All right. I guess we should just jump into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to be clear, this is not an attack on forensic investigators. This is voicing a concern over an industry that has an issue with it. Okay. To use the trope, some of my best friends are forensic investigators. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but this should not at all, for any reason, in any way, be taken as an attack on an individual person. This is an explanation of what I feel is an inherent flaw in the system. Okay. Now, Jeff, you are a developer, correct? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a developer. I also do operations. I'm kind of in the middle there. But okay. I do both. Yeah. So let, me, let me use that and make an analogy. A okay. developer can write malicious code to steal money, data, etc. That does not infer that all developers are bad or that you yourself are bad and that you're going to do bad things. It is acknowledging that IT systems can be used maliciously, but it doesn't mean that everyone is or everyone will, and we know that. It's common sense. Right. I'm going to talk about this subject, and that's the perspective that this should be taken. To put a philosophical spotlight squarely on the concept, when you have a system where one action by one person can change the outcome of an entire process, you have a bad system. Now, I think I would agree with that, yeah. Digital evidence is different than physical evidence because there is a problem of verifiability of historical states. Though it's mm, not okay. quite a problem, per se, it's an impossibility. You cannot prove what it was before. You can only prove what it is now. Because at the bottom layer, we're dealing with binary data, ones and zeros. You can never tell what the one or the zero was three weeks ago. You can only tell what it is right now. In evidence, the primary way that digital evidence is placed as far as time is a timestamp. However, it's... You mean like placed in... in uh order of events or, or I'm sorry it sounds like you're implying we're like planting evidence on somebody that's not what you mean right we will get there oh okay the point is all right if I'm going to present digital evidence in court I have to be able to show the details about it if I am okay. trying to say that you had something well, the timestamp has to be at some point when you had the computer. It can't come after. That okay. Changing dates is trivial. 
one can do this with a hex editor, but there are utilities that make this even easier. You can accomplish this with a single line of PowerShell. Not knowing PowerShell, I'm gonna have to read up on this, but yeah, it's one of my gaps, unfortunately. So if we are talking about a, a timestamp of when a file was created or when a file was modified, we are potentially talking about a single bit flip. And as I said previously, there is no way to know that the state of this bit is a one or a zero. We can know what that is now. We cannot know what it was before. We can only know what it is now. Okay. Like at the point you're investigating it. Correct. Okay. Let's give a real world example for some context of how the evidentiary process works and why it's trusted. In the real world, we have physical objects. Uh, I, I believe you have stayed at JT's place before, correct? Uh, yes, I have several times. Perfect. Let's yes. go with that. Uh, he's giving me this weird look right now. <laughs> I, am, I apologize for the morbidity in, in this. Oh, let's boy. say that you are visiting JT. The morning comes, JT comes downstairs, and he sees you lying on the floor, stabbed. He calls the police. The police come. They find a knife because it's sticking out of you. Right. You go to the hospital, you're taken care of, the police do an investigation. I survived now, this, right? In yes, this anecdote? you survived this. Okay, sorry. The police are going to do their investigation. They're going to investigate the knife. And they're going to find that, well, this knife has JT's fingerprints on it. Therefore, JT must have stabbed you. Now, JT's attorney, will want an objective analysis because the police are part of the state. The state is the one prosecuting him. So the knife will be sent to an outside lab and that outside lab may find fingerprints of a different person who has multiple convictions for stabbing people. JT's lawyer can then argue, of course, his fingerprints were on the knife. It's his knife in his house but this right. other person's fingerprints should not be there. Now, the state did not provide that evidence to court because they're trying to secure a conviction. The state's attorney is motivated to win cases right. because that's how they get promoted. And there's a seriously perverse incentive about that, where when you yeah, get yeah, convictions equals you get a raise or a promotion, that's... That's very much in conflict with Lady Justice. I agree. But that perverse incentive is a different topic. Let's not go into that right now. I guess we'll, we'll follow that away for another episode. The point is, the trust in the system and in the evidence comes to the fact that you cannot create the evidence. Okay? Okay. If I was a dirty investigator... I couldn't create you being stabbed and bleeding all over the floor unless you were stabbed because there's that reality that has to be there. You'd but have to have my blood or, or the, the, whoever it is. 
which I don't think I'm giving that up anytime soon. Yes, but beyond that, I'd have to make up a hospital report. And okay. one could argue that that could be made, but then if you weren't stabbed in reality, JT's attorney could have you come into court and you could show that you have no stab wound. There's a reality okay. that can't fully be created. Okay, makes sense. By contrast, let's look at how digital evidence is treated. And we will use a USB drive in this case. Let's imagine that the FBI comes to your house. Okay. And they are coming here because I, I believe there was a joke before about thin mints. Was there? Uh, uh, it's kind of a long-running gag. Uh, JT likes to bribe people with thin mints, and I have long contested that. No, 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 it's got to be tag-alongs. But yeah, there's okay. been a long-running gag about that. Let's, let's, let's go with that. You have, according to the FBI, the secret recipe for thin mints. That's classified <laughs> okay. information. It's a national secret, and you shouldn't have it. So they're going... <laughs> to I like it. want to prosecute you for having the Thin Mint recipes. Well, your defense team is going to want to analyze what the evidence is. There's two problems here, or two situations here. One, you could be directly told no, because with digital evidence, because there isn't a physicality, the evidence can be copied distributed in a way that physical evidence cannot. An outdated example from the other possibility is that the federal system will be as unhelpful as possible. <laughs> so to give an example from the early 2000s, there was a person who was under investigation and an attorney that's a friend knew another attorney, and they needed someone that understood operating systems that weren't Windows. Okay. So they petitioned the court to get a third-party investigator to analyze the evidence. And after much arguing, the judge ruled that the defense could have access to the evidence. But they couldn't have access to the actual drive itself. They can have Aren't they supposed to share all that evidence ahead of time? Or am I misunderstanding how that works? All the evidence has to be shared in court. But leading up oh, to court, okay. things are not as clear and cut. That's kind of shady. It is. Like that. But that's the way the system works. Okay. So, when the judge ruled that the defense could have access to it, I was allowed to investigate the data. Of course, it was okay. not the actual drive itself. It was the data that was on the drive. So okay. I show up to the facility on Lord Baltimore, and I am given a piece of paper, a pen, and a USB stick because... That matches the letter of the judge's order. <laughs> now, clearly, oh, okay, <laughs> I cannot do anything with that. So I right. leave, I contact the attorney, the attorney then petitions the court again and complains. Then 
the judge again orders you have to allow them to be able to use the USB stick. I go back to the facility, I'm brought into a room, and I'm given the most rundown, broken, beat up system to use. With a Windows XP system with an image file of the drive and a hex editor. That was it. Oh, wow. There was no extra okay. file system support. There was no, you, any, there was no way I could access the data. So you, you were saying earlier, this is like a Linux thing. So they gave you a system deliberately that would not let you read unless you could pick it apart on hex. Correct. And okay. I, okay. I'm with you. Yep. I wasn't allowed to bring in my systems because skiffs are skiffs because they don't allow random people to bring in electronics. Skiff, skiff is what? It's What's a secure skiff? information facility. Okay, thank you. They couldn't allow me, for valid reasons, to use one of their systems because then their systems would be used by someone who's not part of the Bureau, and thus that could then tamper with them, and they have to be able to argue the purity of their systems. And if I'm messing around on one of their systems, I could compromise it, and then they wouldn't be able to use that for other cases. So they have a valid reason to not give me the latest and greatest. Okay. But yeah, I guess. They also don't have to be jerks. Right. Going back that and forth. Succinctly well put there. I like that. Going back and forth, eventually the judge ruled that the FBI report would stand as true. This is a problem for defense because that means that the people who have written the rules are the ones dealing the cards, and there's nothing that the defense can do. Right. Defense can argue, we want an impartial dealer, because you two, the FBI and the federal court system, are on the same side. But you're told, no, you can play the cards you are dealt, and those cards say you're guilty, so play your hand. In the digital space... Yeah verifiability of historical states doesn't exist because the explanation okay. I gave before is yeah. dates can be changed. Now, I'm mm -hmm. certain JT is jumping up and down wanting to say, copy on right file systems will fix this. Right. Sorry yeah. to burst that buzzle. He's bubble, nodding. He's, he's nodding. I don't know if you can see him, but he's no, nodding. No, it doesn't. You can create a second disk because copy on write file systems have the entire drive file history, you can start at the beginning, play that history forward until you reach a point, any arbitrary point that you want, create a new file, that then creates new metadata, but you can then still look at the original drive and see all of the files and changes that happened after based on the metadata on that drive. As you then write those okay. files on the new drive, the metadata will be written according to the way it should be based on the changes that that drive has. You can then okay. play that forward one file at a time, one change at a time, because you have the entire block history of the original drive to know what individual changes happened over time. At the end of this, you will have a drive with a valid file history and metadata and checksums that match the drive with the new file on it. 
that can be imaged, okay. stamped on the original drive, and there's no way to know. Now, this is like um, developer world. You can play with your commit history. If you go back and change something that happened before, every commit after that commit must be recalculated or mm -hmm. something like that. Sounds like a similar concept here. Okay. Will this be costly? Yes, absolutely. Will this require a lot of effort? Yes, absolutely. Will this require skilled mm -hmm. programming? Yes, absolutely. Are any of those things outside the capability of a nation state? No. No, absolutely not. And the scariest part is investigators wouldn't need to go to that extreme length. Here are two options. One, I mentioned PowerShell before. So when the FBI comes to your door and they knock on the door politely before removing the door, and then they come into your house, <laughs> they will have an ERT go through your house and look at what might be of interest for them to investigate. At that point, one of them could sit down at a Windows machine, stick a USB stick in, copy a file, run a line of PowerShell in a few seconds, and there is now a file on your computer that's dated as being created four months ago. And there's mm -hmm. no way that you can prove that that file wasn't there four months ago. Mm. If it's not in my backups, would that not be proof? If you have reliable backups that are off-site, potentially. Mm -hmm. The risk okay. here is that you are tried against a jury of your peers. Now, we say peers, but it's random people off the street. And trying to argue highly technical details in front of people that do not understand all of those details is usually not very effective. Right. I can see how that would be problematic. Also, keep in mind that you are the defendant. So whether we like to admit it or not, we're human. There's an automatic assumption that this person has probably done something wrong. Because why would this entire process be going right. on if there was nothing? While we always say... You're innocent until proven guilty. That's not actually the way everyone behaves. But there's a worse and easier situation than the one I just described. So let me explain to you how I could frame you for having the Thin Mint recipe if I was a dirty investigator. So we're okay. going to use a USB stick because they're small, they're easy. I can have one in my pocket and bring it out at any point in time. Now, since there's an investigation in you, that investigation has been going on long before we show up at your house. We have your cell phone data. I mean, like they're, like they're, casing, they're casing me. They're observing you. They're, I don't know if that's the they're right gathering way. patterns okay, of observe. when you're home, when you're not home. They're going to contact your cell company and get all of your data. So they're going to have your GPS location with times and dates. They're going to have your ISP have a tap on your line so they have your traffic in history. And even if that's encrypted, that doesn't really matter 
because with your GPS data and your internet traffic history, I can prove you are in your house at these times and on your computer. Okay. With that knowledge, I then have points that I can use to later prove that this is real. Now, you okay. use Linux, correct? Oh, yes, extensively. Okay. For this example, I'm going to use the Lux. Okay? Okay. I will have a laptop of mine. I will boot it up, set the BIOS date, boot into the OS, plug in a USB, format with Lux, mount the file system. I'll then create a Git repo. I'll make files and I'll commit them. I then shut down, reboot, change the BIOS date, let the OS boot, let the date change happen, mount the drive, change the file, commit, and continue to do that with the dates and times that I have from our investigation that I know you're at home. Because I don't okay. want... You're building a trail of evidence. Correct. I don't want your attorney to be able to argue well, at this point in time, my client was in San Diego. I need the dates and times to match when you are in your house. And I can keep doing okay. this and build up a history. And when I'm done, I dismount the drive and I take it with me when we're going to come to your house. Now, during, during the raid, okay. you are immediately separated from the rest of the house. You will be set down in the living room or the kitchen or wherever, and a couple agents will sit with you while everyone else looks at your house. They don't want you roaming through the house because you may tamper with evidence, but they will check the rooms and find out which rooms have a computer, which rooms might have evidence, and then the ERTs will go and actually secure the evidence in those rooms. So when they go into it, the ERT, what does ERT stand for? Evidence Recovery Technician. Okay. So when they find something, they're going to take a picture of it, say, sitting on the desk. They're then going to put it into a bag. They're then going to seal the bag and sign and time and date it for the chain of custody okay. of that evidence. Right. However, we are dealing with humans. And... Just because a process is well-written does not mean the process is 100% followed. Right. Uh, yes. For example, if there are a collection of USB sticks on your desk, the evidence may be written, collection of USB sticks on desk. If it does not right. state how many and the serial numbers, there's no way to know afterwards the exact details in many usb sticks you can't see any details of the serial number of the device but during this evidence recovery time as i am the, the dirty person here in this explanation i'm rummaging around in your room looking for stuff that you would have hidden because you don't want anyone to know that you have what you shouldn't have I pull the stick out of my pocket, and I turn to the other ERT that's in the room with me, and I say, look what's right here that I just found. We then take a picture of it. I may bring it out to, let's say you're in the living room, 
to the living room and hand it to you and ask a question of why was this hidden in the bottom of your closet? Are you trying to hide this? You, being stressed out, are going to take it, look at it, and then reply, this isn't mine. I don't know what this is. At which point you're going to hand it back to me. I'm going to put it in the bag and seal the bag. I've just put fingerprints on it. Exactly. Oh, you okay. have now put your fingerprints on something, and that ties it to you. Okay. When that goes to the crime lab, the technician in the crime lab is going to pull it out. They're going to record that they have opened the evidence. They're going to do their analysis. They're going to then place it back into evidence, reseal it again. So that chain of custody is secured. They're not going to know that the drive wasn't yours. They're going to believe it was yours because they found your fingerprints on the drive. But of course, that drive was decrypted, was encrypted. They couldn't decrypt it. Right. So the prosecution will take you to court to get you to give up the password. This has happened many times in federal court. The separate federal districts have different responses to how this should play out. Some have wanted to dismiss the evidence because it can't be read. Others have wanted to force the individual to decrypt that and have not agreed that it is a Fifth Amendment violation. In those cases, they are charged with contempt of court and then prosecuted for that. Right. That is in five years in federal prison because you were unwilling to decrypt this device. Now, in some situations, a defendant who is legitimately guilty may choose that option because five years is less time than they would have gotten for that crime. Okay. So some of the federal districts are reticent to just toss the evidence out because they realize that this is a very easy way that criminals can get out of being prosecuted. And I'm sure you have noticed over time how aggressive the government has been at trying to attack encryption. And they always use criminal cases as the example. Yep, always, every single time. Signal's in the news recently for that. I think that saw that the government was trying to get into Signal's metadata on all their users, and Signal's like, well, we actually can't give that to you because we don't have it. Literally, it's not in our service anywhere. Reasons to use Signal, folks. They don't have the data. Now, in this situation that I've created here, this fantasy situation, you cannot give up the password because you don't know what it is. Right. This truly wasn't your drive. Mm -hmm. Even if you were willing to share your encryption passwords over every other drive you had, your, what it will be seen as refusal to decrypt this one specific drive will be interpreted as an admission of guilt, and they will prosecute accordingly for contempt of court because of your unwillingness. Okay. Now, let's imagine that I'm even dirtier than we think I am. Six months to a year later, as your attorney is diligently trying to file an appeal for you, I have a brainstorm 
and I contact the evidence team and I say, have you tried all of these other ways that we could potentially get into the drive? Have we done a dictionary attack using all of the words and combinations of words that we can see on his personal files to, to try to guess what the password might be? If they do that and the password was specifically chosen so that it could be discovered later, now suddenly we've decrypted this drive. And now we can see a file creation history going back weeks that show you writing about this recipe and how you're going to distribute it and all of those things. There's two things that will happen here. Number one, your appeal is immediately going to be thrown out because now we have proven that there was something on the drive that you didn't want us to know. You will still be convicted of contempt of court, but you will now also face a conviction for this other crime. And again, wow, okay. This is kind of heavy. It all boils down to timestamps in this situation. Depending on the criminal case, there are many ways that this isn't an issue. For example, if they have logs from Amazon computers where you have downloaded something with your IP and they have done wiretaps, so they have transmission capture of you downloading. That doesn't apply in this case. Okay. What we are talking about here is a very focused example of how the system has a weakness. Again, this is not an attack on individual forensic people. I'm sure that if any listen to this, they will probably complain that I'm doubting their honor or that I'm saying they're horrible people. Again, no, that is not what I am trying to do. This is to show a flaw. The entire system of evidence is built on the assumption of honor. When we are dealing with physical evidence, it is built on the immutability of physical reality. Digital evidence does not have that same base component. So the entire right. system is built upon belief that every person in the chain is doing exactly what they should be doing, exactly how they should be doing it, and isn't doing a single thing wrong. That's a terrible system. But all it That's takes is one person to not be honorable, and the entire thing comes crashing down. You could have a dirty lead investigator and good ERTs and good forensic teams, or you could have a good agent and one dirty ERT and a good forensic team in the lab, or everyone could be good, but the deputy director pulls one of them aside and says, look, I know this is going to be hard to ask, but there's a lot on the line right now that I can't explain to you because it's classified, but this holds up a USB stick needs to be put into evidence. Someone trusting their chain of command might go along with it because they believe in the honor of the person they're working for. They believe in the system. They believe in the chain of command. They may not know the full details, but they may still take an action because they believe it to be the right action. The legal framework that we have built around evidence is built upon the notion that evidentiary facts are objective and they are provable and that anyone could investigate and come back with the same evidence and the same conclusion. 
because reality is real. Going back to the knife example that I started with, JT's defense team could have a hundred labs and the results would be the same. Trust in the physical evidence is based on reality, whereas trust in digital evidence is based on honor. Digital is different because there's no real thing. What we have are items which we give metaphysical value to, but ultimately it's binary data and binary data can be changed. In the physical world, when you have physical evidence, at the very bottom, you have chemistry, but you can't change that willy-nilly because the laws of physics prevent it. Right. There are no laws of physics that prevent changing digital data, and there's no way to prove absolute immutability of that data. The chain of evidence doesn't protect against this kind of exploit, if you will, in any way. And unfortunately, the belief in the infallibility of chain of evidence gives more credence that this can't happen, even though it can. Mm, yeah, that's insidious. I really, I don't, I don't like the conclusions I'm drawing. Now, in in our conversation, we have approached this from a very American perspective, but this equally applies anywhere else. All it takes is one person to take an action and your life is over. Now, do we put this past the Communist Party of China? Would we put this past Vladimir Putin? Absolutely not, no. Returning to the U.S., Unfortunately, our country is extremely polarized right now. And even more worrying is that the politicization of the Department of Justice is getting greater and greater. And regardless of what side of the political aisle you're on, this should very much worry you that the DOJ is increasingly being used to target political opponents. If you are on the right, if you're a Republican, and you're looking at Biden's Department of Justice, do you trust them to act 100% honorable? If you can I imagine, as a Republican, the craziest, most corrupt, far-left person you can think of, can you say to yourself that you trust that person to act honorably with your life and future in their hands? On the flip side, if you're on the left, if you're a Democrat, you probably looked at the Trump Department of Justice and went, ooh, I don't like the things I see there. Mm -hmm, exactly. Would you trust every person there to be 100% honorable? Absolutely not. If you're a Democrat, Imagine the craziest, most corrupt, far-right person you can think of. The worst of the worst. Do you believe that that person will be honorable with your life in their hands when they don't like you? Nope. Because nope. all it takes is one person to act one time. Mm -hmm. I know there will be some people who, when their side is in power, will think, this is okay. The ends justify the means. But it's important to realize 
that your side is not going to be in power forever. Eventually, the other side will be. And when they are, they will use the same tactics that you have used against you. There's a reason that the pendulum swings further and further to the extremes as it goes back and forth. The more one side ramps up actions against the opposing side, the more that opposing side will want to get even and ramp things up a little more when they have the chance. And this goes back and forth and back and forth until eventually the system tips over and everything falls apart. Now, even if someone looks at that and goes, I'm still okay because my side's in power and I don't think they're going to they're gonna do anything wrong. Think about this for a moment. When your side is going after and persecuting the other side, whichever side that happens to be, the other side is bound to get a little rowdy. Is bound to point out, hey, you're only coming after us. A very sinister person in power would realize, we need some sacrificial lambs to show that we're not one-sided. We need to punish some people on our side that we don't really care about too much so that we can say, hey, look, we're going after all the bad people. See, we went after the bad people on our side. So regardless of which side you're on, do you fully trust that you're not going to be the sacrificial lamb simply for the appearance of being impartial? Yeah, no, that's not something you can really assume. To, to wrap this up, I want to focus again on what I started with, which is when you have a system where one action by one person can corrupt the entire process and change the outcome, you have a bad system. And when that system has the power and ability to literally destroy people's lives, this is very, very dangerous, and this is a problem. I yeah, I think that I would like to believe there's honor in all of our systems, but we, we know that it's not. We have ample examples of it not, and it's kind of distressing to me that uh, we have to assume that there's dishonorable people in every legal process, too. It just it strikes me as, well, I don't know, it, maybe I'm wishing for a simpler time. But I also perhaps believe I'm I'm fooling myself and thinking there was a simpler time. I kind of believe this has been going on for a long time, and perhaps we're just uh, better able to see it because of the internet age. Technology is an amplifier for human behaviors, for both good and ill. And in this system, the problem is that there's very little redundancy. What redundancy is there? can still be completely undone by one person. Yeah. Well, I've always maintained, and I know this is not really a defense, but it is something. But it, you don't do activities which would bring you up into the level where you would have some FBI agents putting attention on you. That's not really, I mean, I suppose anyone, it can happen to anyone. I don't know why that would happen to me, but it could. I just like to think that I, I don't really do anything. I keep a low profile. Why would I ever be a target? You know, but uh, we know that's not, that's not enough. You can be prosecuted for anything, anytime. 
regardless of whether there's evidence. You just even if the whole goal is just to tie you up in court or, or drain your money or something, there's I don't know why someone would target me, but they could. I, I think it's important to keep in mind that while this is greatly improbable against any individual person in society, because it is possible, it can be done. If someone right. sits at home, works their nine to five job at the grocery store, keeps to themselves, yes, they will not ever be a target. But if you are a person who cares about the system, about society, about the government, about rights, and you take action to support your beliefs and to promote your beliefs, you're going to run afoul of the people who don't like that. So Makes sense. the problem is less that this can be applied to everyone and more that this can be applied when it's needed on very specific people. Yeah, I want to be very clear that this is not just a left-right issue. The differing sides of politics are a clear example of groups that have different goals and different motivations. But one could look at this from the exact same perspective of, say, a climate activist who works for Greenpeace, who is trying to collect information to show that the oil companies are bribing political officials to do all sorts of stuff. That person could find themselves a target if they happen to piss off the wrong politician who has powerful connections. Right. They aren't truly a threat to the government. There's a saying, I don't know who it's from. I should. But that all it takes is a single grain of rice to tip the scale. And mm, yes. that one person may have been able to start a movement. So the people who don't want that movement started may have motivation to try to nip that in the bud. Yeah, I think that's going on quite a lot, actually. Quite a lot. That's really kind of distressing to think about, too. There's a lot of directions this conversation could take here. You had mentioned earlier this is kind of a morbid, it was a morbid example, but now I'm kind of thinking this is a morbid episode. It's, it's like the death of innocence, perhaps, of my innocence on just how fair things can be. It's not much consolation to know that they're probably not going to deploy such tactics against me or people that I know because we're not really doing anything. It's just that, like you're saying, those key places, those key people, they only need to do it. In, like It's a force multiplier. If all you can do is nudge in this one spot, you'd probably nudge it just enough to get off path and the revolution never gets started or whatever. That's it's, uh, challenging to think about. There's a lot to unwrap there. Um, we are getting a little bit late in the call, I think. So I would like to table that and maybe have another discussion with you about that topic later, if you'd be willing. Sure. JT can get in touch with me, and we can figure out another other date where we can dig into this if you'd like. That's up to you guys. I I just felt that this was important enough to shine a light on. I agree. This is This has been very illuminating. It's not a pun. It really has been illuminating. So thank you for thank you for coming and talking me through it, talking us through this. Going to have a lot of food for thought here. And I imagine that our, our listeners will have quite a lot of food for thought here too. So I would like to 
encourage our listeners to send us in feedback. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion on this one. Very sobering. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. So typically we do a wind down on the call. JT, do you want to flip back over or do we just want to end it here? Okay. I think he's going to flip back over. So Claire, thank you so much for, for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, really enjoyed this talk. And uh, uh, we'll probably pass along feedback to you because we get a lot of interesting feedback. And I would, I would think you would want to hear some of the encouraging or discouraging things that our listeners would have to say. But uh, your, your discussion here does have an impact. It does make a difference. So thank you very much, Claire. Am I back now, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, you're back. Yeah. Okay, cool. Is she still on? So, uh, no, she's not. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, that was kind of sobering. Yeah, I was joking Debbie down, down earlier, but this is, this is really serious stuff. This is... Um, yeah, it's... I'm a little bit at a loss for words. I, I just got to parse this all out, you know? It's definitely a, a... Yeah, it's a meaty subject. I think for me, it's a little less so because I've had this conversation multiple times. I've dealt with dealing with evidence and stuff like that before, so... Yeah. For me, it's it's more of a, yeah, I've kind of known some of this. I didn't perhaps know to the fullest extent of, you know, working through that whole you know, thought process and playing out the thought experiments. But it's, uh, it's, it's not a good look, I think is the, the way to say it. No. Yeah, it's not a good look, no. I agree with you. I don't really have a good way to end this. I, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm actually rattled. Mm-hmm. Probably I'm just, I suggest we just sign off and ask our listeners to send their feedback in like normal. And uh, let's see what they yeah, have to say. Yeah, I think that's probably best. Just go ahead and end off. Uh, same way to get in touch with us as every other episode. Email works, fireside works, telegram and matrix work. Um, either way, send us your thoughts. Send us your ideas. Uh, if you disagree, that's fine. Let's hear it. Let's get our discussion going. So until then, we look forward to hearing from everybody. And sorry, this was more of a downer episode, but hopefully our, we'll get back up and have a fun one coming up shortly. Yeah. And I, and I think more than any other episode, perhaps this is the most applicable is really we need to be excellent to each other. Absolutely. <laughs>